0: I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This Christmas season we will be looking at the ways that um, God has made himself seen. Seen. Visible. Last week we talked about the invisible being visible. That was seen. This week we will talk about the glory of God being seen. Seen is so Vitally important to see the glory of God. And it's amazing because the term glory in the scriptures has a number of uses. The main three uses of the term glory are praise. So to give praise, you give glory to God. You give adoration. That's one way we use the word glory. Another way we use the word glory is um, heaven or the presence of God in glory. So one day in glory is another way we use the phrase. But the third way we use the phrase is this manifestation of of light, of radiance of God, the glory of God is what we will look at this morning and how that was seen and why it's so vital to see the glory of God. What is it and why must we gaze upon it? Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, before we begin this passage, I want to point out a few things so we don't get bogged down. This is a really wordy passage. Um, but the first part is, provides a good context for where we're going into chapter 4. So I wanted to read it anyways. I didn't want to skip over it because it was difficult to read. But I want to point out a few things. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, toward the uh, verse 12 and beyond, uh, be thinking about um, the law or the commandments. Okay, The law and the commandments, when you think about Moses, and how the law and the commandments were not... Permanent. They were temporary. They were not um, perfect. Instead, they had a job. The the, the job of the the law and the commandments was one of, of revealing. When we looked at the law and the commandments, we would be then condemned. So in this passage, it calls the law the ministry of condemnation or the ministry of death. Because when you look at the law, the commandments, you realize that you are a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. And so it's a ministry of, of death and it's a ministry of condemnation. It condemns you. That's the law. That was its purpose. It was to teach you that you are not all you think you are. That's the law. But it's insufficient to save you. That's why the law was not enough. And it was just temporary. And so this passage talks about it. In that way, and think about Moses and what we know to be true about Moses and his experience with the glory of God, and how that even faded. It faded. It wasn't permanent. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't lasting. This glory of God. So here in this passage today, be thinking about those things as I read this wordy section before we get into chapter four. So we're going to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter three, beginning at verse twelve. This is God's word. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. That is the law and the commandments and the the temporary glory of God shining upon him. But their minds were hardened There is freedom and we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have always renounced disgraceful Underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the glory or sorry the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for god who said let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for His Word. So this portion of Scripture has the idea of glory uh, at the second half with related to Christ. Christ and the glory that is revealed, that is expressed. Where I began, it, it talked about Moses veiling himself. If you remember in Exodus, when he had come into the presence of God on Mount Sinai, he came down and the people couldn't even look at him. His face was shining so bright that he veiled it. He put a veil over it. And so here it's saying, we don't need to veil ourselves from the glory of God anymore. When Christ came, he removed the veil. We see and we behold the glory of God. Without hindrance, without holding back, the glory of God is beheld. It says that in verse 18. And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. It wasn't something we needed to hide from, but instead God himself removed the veil that we might see. Moses trembled. At the glory of God. The people were shocked at the glory of God and wanted it veiled. But they knew that he had been with God, that this indeed was the glory or the the manifestation of the presence of God with him, shining, shining on his face. They knew he had been with God in, in God's very presence. It's incredible because Moses asked in Exodus. He asked, in Exodus 33, I'll read it for you. Moses said, Exodus 33:18, 18, please show me your glory. He said to God, please show me your glory. You know what God said in return? He said, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim to you my name, the Lord And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But, he says, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place where you shall go stand on a rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Incredible. Moses asks him, show me your glory. And and God says, I will show you my goodness. His his goodness is his glory. So this this shining manifestation, this this shining presence is the, the goodness of God emanating. He, when, when Moses asked to see his glory, God showed him his goodness. It wasn't his face of some sort. It wasn't direct as, as he said, if any man were to see me, he would not live. But instead, he says, I will show you something. You want to see my glory? I'll show you. I'll show you my goodness and in my mercy. So then we fast forward to Jesus. And in John chapter 1 that I read earlier, it said, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. We have seen His glory. Incredible passage. And it's interesting because the question is, was it that Jesus shone? Did he have this light emanating out of his face like Moses? Is that what it was? When when people saw him, they saw, here he comes. That's the, well, look, he's, he's light like at nighttime. Turn it off. There he is, Jesus shining. Did his face physically grow? Did he glow? Did he physically stand out to the crowd where they could just pick him out and say, there he is, there's God, there's this glory, there's this goodness walking before us. Not at all. Not at all. Physically, there was nothing unique about him. He was so average that when Judas came to betray him, he had to mark him out to the soldiers. He said, the one that I kiss, that's the one. There was nothing beautiful or or emanating about his physical presence. He wasn't shining in any way. He was betrayed with a kiss because he was an average man. So it's not about physically seeing this incarnate Son of God, that made people see his glory. Many people who saw him face to face still never saw his glory. They couldn't really see. They were blind to his glory. Well, what was his glory? His character and his nature. The nature of God, the goodness of God displayed as he was. Many people saw and didn't see. In John chapter 12, verse 37, it says, Though he had done many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that when the word was spoken by the prophet, Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And whose arm has the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded the eyes, their eyes and hardened their hearts lest they see with their eyes and understand in their heart in turn. And I would heal them, is what God said. And Isaiah said these things. He, he observed these things, it says at the end of that passage, because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Isaiah's observing his time and he's seeing how these people, they're not repenting. They're not turning from their ways. They're not turning from their broken systems. They're not turning from their sin to God, he says, because they haven't really seen him. Their eyes are blinded. Their hearts are hardened, he says, because if their hearts were truly open, if their eyes could truly see this glory, they would turn, they would repent, and God would heal them from their sin. Isaiah had seen the glory of God, and so he knew the experience of of coming face to face with God's goodness, God's mercy, and His grace. But Isaiah said, they were hardened. It says that here in, in chapter 3 in 2 Corinthians, passage I read, in verse 14. It says, but their minds were hardened. Their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. They they just couldn't see. Because only through Christ is the veil taken. Only through Christ do you actually see the character and the nature of God. Verse 15 says, For yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, that the veil lies over their hearts. The seeing was not with their eyes. seeing was with their hearts and their minds. Verse 16 says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veils are moved. The heart can see and feel and experience and know the glory of God. Thanks be to God that living in the vicinity of, of Jesus was not a requirement. You didn't need to live nearby, you didn't need to live in his time or his era in order to see. Thanks be to God. That in this moment, for those who had come before, those who were there with him, and those after him can see his glory. Because it's not about his physical presence. Because it's with the eyes of the heart that we see his glory. So when you think about the practical application of this text to our hearts, we wonder, Okay, I'm glad it's not about me physically seeing Jesus in order to see his glory It's with eyes of the heart and eyes of faith that I see. So then in our joy, in that moment, realizing that we didn't need to be there to see him, we're so glad that he did come because he then displayed and and we have faith as we trust God's word and trust historical accounts that he put on full display the, the nature and the character of God in everything he did. And he gives us it's so incredible when you think about your belief in Jesus, right? Your actual trust in him, your, your relationship to him. Because so many view it as just a historical book or a story that may be made up or maybe not be made up or just something of the past. And how can you relate to, to him? But yet, isn't it amazing to think of what God does in our own hearts that is like, it's true and it's real and it's, it's now It's not like I'm believing just in something that once was. Like, I I have seen him. I do know him. My, My heart has truly seen Jesus. Not just through the Bible, not just through texts of scripture and historical accounts, but I've seen him. I've seen him. And that's exactly what God does for us in our hearts. What we do in our joy as Christians is twofold. First, is that we personally and persistently gaze upon Him and admire His glory. Let me say that again. We personally and persistently gaze upon Him and admire His glory. It's personal. We cannot gaze through someone else's eyes. We cannot gaze through someone else's heart or experience. You must See him. We don't live off the spirituality of another, a parent, a friend, a mentor, a preacher. We personally gaze upon him. We gaze upon him, not even in the things he has done, but upon him. Because it's in him that we see God and all of his goodness and him shining for all of eternity. We gaze. And we admire personally, admiring the glory of God, the the goodness of God that has passed before us, the mercy of God that has gone before us, that we see, we admire it. And we do it persistently, personally and persistently, not just once, not just the time that you came to faith, where you saw your sin and and the law did its job to, to condemn you. And then you saw the goodness of Jesus. this great Savior, not just that one time do we gaze upon His glory and say, I'm thankful for that moment in my life. I'm thankful for that piece of history that God has worked into my story. We don't just live off that past moment, just like we don't live off someone else's faith. We live in a persistent gazing, a persistent admiring of the goodness of God passing before us. That's why we read the Bible every day. And that's why we do so with a heart full of the Holy Spirit so that he may show us. It may come alive to us off the page. The goodness of God might pass before us, not just in an intellectual way, because we've read stories and it's good for our brain. But in a way that our heart leaps because we have seen his glory. We've experienced his goodness and we have seen his mercy So we persistently gaze upon him. We persistently admire him, not just once in the past, but over and over again. Second, in in verse eighteen of chapter three here, it says, "And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, beholding." It's not once. It's constant. Again. And again, we beholding the glory of God, something happens. As we behold the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image, the same character, the same nature. Christ, as we behold His glory, is transforming us to become more like Him. We, we admire Him more and more and more. The more we read, the more we pray, the more we relate, the more we use Him in and through us, we, we see Him as all more glorious, all more beautiful, all more precious to us, and that grows and increases in our life. I'm sure, we have seasons of ups and downs. But the general trajectory is we are seeing more of His beauty and more of His glory, and we are becoming, we are transforming to be more like that. It says you're transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. And we keep going in our, in our terms of our sanctification until one day we will be fully transformed. We will be without sin. And therefore, our hearts will be like him. What a glorious day that will be. But for this, it says at the end of verse 18, for this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. It is not manufactured by beauty of christmas it's not manufactured by a religion it's not manufactured in any way this seeing this admiring this transforming comes from the lord who is spirit so we personally we persistently gaze and admire the glory of god and as we do we desire more and more of him We desire to be near Him and to be like Him and to have others do the same. The more you realize the goodness of God, you want others to know it. You want others to feel it and experience it. So as we are being sanctified by His work in us through the Spirit, His Word, and His people, we grow in His likeness and then we reflect His glory. We reflect His goodness. We reflect His mercy. Because we've we're we're shining now. Like Moses, we have seen the glory of God, we have been face to face with the glory of God, and he is transforming us to emanate the glory of God, to, to shine his goodness into the lives of those around us. We have that joy as we get to be more like him day by day by his work in us. We are like him, and then we reflect his glory, his character. If you've been a Christian for 10 years, you ought to be more like Jesus than you were 10 years ago. Your character ought to be more like him. Your nature, your your natural inclination ought to be more like Jesus than it was. Not perfect by any means, but going in the direction of likeness. Likeness. And then because your character is becoming more and more like him, your character more and more displays him, displays his glory to others. What a joy Because though our first application is that we personally and persistently gaze upon Him and admire His glory, our second application is that we shine His glory and invite others to gaze and be transformed too. I'll say it again. We shine His glory and invite others to gaze and to be transformed too. As He is growing us and shaping us, and filling our joy up in knowing him, we not only desire to know him personally, we desire to share him intimately, and our lives, becoming more like him, can be gazed upon. They can be looked upon. There it said in verse in chapter four, in verse two, it, it talks about what you know, this character transformation in us. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. And here's next. but By an open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We would say, look look at my life. That's why we share testimonies. Look at my life. I'm commending me to you, not because I have done something amazing, but because God has. And, And God is at work in me. Look it. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect, but look at me. We invite others to look and to gaze and say, "Look at what God is doing in me." You know me, right? I'm, that's why sharing your testimony with people who know you is is incredible because they, they know the dirt, they know this, you know your character, they know your weaknesses, they know all the cracks in your life, and you can share with them year after year and year and say, "Look, you know I have a character flaw, right? You know it's not just a character flaw; it's sin in my life. I have." anger problems or I have this or that but have you seen what God has done in me in this last year invite others to see invite others to see the goodness of God in your life don't be so shy to be like I don't want to share my story I don't want to talk about what God tell people what God is doing in your life tell unbelievers who know you they'll see it they'll go that is kind of true yeah you have kind of changed and I didn't know why I didn't know if you got on like some new program you're like no I got on Jesus and I gazed at him again and again until he transformed me. Invite others to gaze and look upon you. And not just those who know you, but the world. Invite them to see, to gaze upon the glory of God as it is displayed in and through us. As God's goodness is transforming us, we desire to display him. I want to display him. I want to make him known. I want others to know him personally. To be forgiven by his love and his goodness and his grace that I have experienced. I want them to be transformed and given a hope in this life now and forevermore. We hold this before him. Before all people. We who have been transformed, we take that message to others. A message of transformation. And those who have eyes to see, will see it. They might not have seen it last year when you told them. Or the last 25 years when you've said, listen, I, I believe in the Lord Jesus and I, I love him and I, I wish you would see him too. They may have fallen on deaf ears or blind eyes. But you have no clue if God's ever opened their eyes yesterday. So you keep displaying them. You keep putting them on display. Before them, you, you live your life of a solid testimony and witness. And you don't just say, well, I shared Christ with them five years ago and they ignored me. You don't have to share Christ and say, listen, I'm sitting you down for a gospel presentation be quiet and listen. You've lost them already. You say, I'm going to sit you down and I want you to gaze upon something. Gaze upon God's goodness in my life. Gaze with me. Walk with me. I'm going to to help you. I'm going to be your tour guide in this this viewing of God's goodness. Look. So it's good for you then also because you have to be evaluating. You know how, how often we can kind of go through a whole year and you don't even think what God has done in you? What kind of work did God do in me last year? How often do you get, years and years go by, and I bet you you've not stopped to think, what did God do in me? How did he grow me? How did he shape me? How am I more like him? We can go 20 years without thinking about what God has done in us. And it's a shame, because the more we reflect, the more we're willing to share and be like, I cannot believe what God has done in me. And what a joy that is to share with others and share with them at just the right time. You never know, but God does. Some are blind. It says there in verse 4 through 6. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They can't see him. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. When we're proclaiming to them, when we're sharing with them, we don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. He's only Lord in relation to something, in relation to me. He is in charge. Look, I'm proclaiming Jesus as Lord in my life. Look. Look at what that does. Look at how it transforms me. And often we don't want to do that because we are full of guilt and shame. And we know our failures. And so we don't want to say, look. We want to say, you do stop looking, actually. And I'm just going to hide in the back corner and hope no one even notices me because I'm so full of dirt. I don't want people to look. What does Romans 8, 1 say? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So stop condemning yourself. That's the work of the enemy. The enemy wants to condemn you and say, oh, yeah, poor you. You're, you're just a piece of trash, aren't you? You're not worthy to be shown to anybody. You say, let me remind you of the gospel. Yes, I am a sinner, but I am saved by grace. That that dirt and that guilt and that filth, that condemnation that is right and true, there's no place for it in a Christian's life. Because Christ came to be condemned for us. So that condemnation, when someone or your own heart wants to condemn you and say, yeah, but I'm, I'm guilty and I'm a sinner, you say, look at the cross. Your condemnation was there. Now we stand free. It was for freedom that we were set free, Galatians says, or this passage here. It, it, the Spirit of the Lord is freedom. It's freedom to say, you can look at my life, you're going to see a lot of dirt. But I pray you see Jesus, who, who ultimately and finally took all of my sin. Even though you still see it, and I still see it, and I still feel the effects of it, Jesus took it and paid it all. We get to do that. And there's, there's freedom as a Christian to do that and say, yes, I'm a mess. That's the freedom a Christian has. We don't have to hold it all together. The reason we're here is because we admit we're a mess. We admit we need Jesus. We admit we're broken, that we cannot get to God, and we are not perfect. So we admit we're a mess. So don't just do that in in your prayer closet. Do it publicly. Admit you're a mess to those who know you and love you and know the mess already. Don't try to hide, but display. For we proclaim not ourselves... But Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, serving others for Jesus' sake. For God, who has said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts. To give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So you and I, when we come face to face with the glory of God, there is something about it if we have eyes to see and we have embraced the glory of God, there's going to be transformation from one degree, one step to another. And in that, as we personally and persistently gaze upon the glory of God, then we shine that light of the glory so that others may gaze and we invite them in. We get the joy of living life in the goodness and glory of God. And by God's grace, maybe one day you'll get the joy of seeing someone else gaze upon him too. What a joy that will be. And it's not just in evangelism, it's also in discipleship with other Christians. You share what God is doing in your life so that you may walk with one another and encourage one another. Like you're inviting people to gaze at the goodness and the glory of God as you invite them into your life and say, here's how I've struggled, here's how God's helped me overcome. All of these things is part of discipleship. It's part of living life in community with other believers, those who are maybe ahead of you in, in maturity, those who are maybe a little less in maturity. We walk together, displaying the goodness of God day in and day out. That's the beauty of it. So to experience and to know the glory of God, like Moses, is incredible we do not have to veil our faces. And Christ did not veil his face. And it's incredible because, again, it was not a physical glowing. But instead, it says, as God has shone in our hearts to give a light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as you gaze upon him, you experience his glory. And his glory being his goodness and his character, his steadfast love, and his mercy. So this week, as you... Go about whatever you're going about. Pause to gaze upon the glory of God. Personally, to gaze upon it in the gospel, to gaze upon it in the Bible, to gaze upon it in other believers, and to gaze upon it in you. What is God doing in me? Where is his goodness evident in me? And then, once you've gazed upon it personally and persistently, shine it. Look for opportunities, pray for opportunities, seek opportunities to, to show someone the goodness of God so that he may receive glory and praise and adoration as he deserves from our lives. Let's pray. Oh God, you amaze us. The words cannot describe what it means for us to be able to know you, the God who made us and sustains us The God so far above us and so holy and yet so lovely. You display your steadfast love and faithfulness to your people. Even though we were blind, blinded by our own sin, blinded by our own ways of life, you have made known Christ in our hearts. And we thank you, God, and we pray that uh, you would help us to, to be persistent, you would help us to personally gaze upon you, and all that you are, and then for us to display that, every opportunity we have that we would not just live life just trying to maintain, but we would live life trying to live in your presence and display that to other people. God, would you help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.